Do whatever you want. Just don't get caught. And that was Fred West's mantra via his father. This is Jen. This is Becky. And this is Too Close to Home, and we're going to talk about Fred and Rosemary West. Woohoo! Never heard of them. Ooh, you are in for a I would, treat. Ooh, that's that's intended for probably being nauseous. I will say that's kind of my motto too. Just don't get caught. Just don't get caught. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Just don't get caught. <laughs> I would say I'm excited to talk about these murders, but it's ooh, it's a toughie for me. I don't know. So it's going to be a mushroom stamp episode. Just for warning, there's going to be <laughs> incest, mm. rape, mm. murder, mm. and all of the above. Delightful. So, my sources are Love as Always Mum by Mae West, which is one of the the West children. Uh, last podcast on the left in an episode, episode 153, grunge.com, and Born to Kill, season one, episode one. So, we're going to start off because they weren't always together. Fred and Rosemary West were husband and wife. So, we're going to talk about Fred first. Frederick Walter Stephen West was born on the 29th of September, 1941, Bickerton Cottage, Much Markle, Herefordshire. Did you say the 29th of September? Mm-hmm. That's my baby's birthday. Oh! Mm-hmm. Watch out. I'm just I kidding. Know, right? He was the second child of 10. Mm, mine's the second child, too. Mm. You gonna have more? No. No. <laughs> no. Do <laughs> we have 10 of them? Hell uh, no. No. Not no, but hell no. <laughs> hell no. Can I get Nailed a hell no? to the no, no, no. <laughs> Preface this, uh, this whole episode that like some of the accounts are coming from Fred and he was a pathological liar. Okay. Of the worst sort. So there's like people will argue about versions of events. So his family had a farm and his siblings and him stayed really secluded from others. His family was very intentional in that way. They... You know, he was raised to be like, family comes first, you're to take care of each other, all that. Which sounds really delightful, but it wasn't a delightful childhood. (laughs) Um, The cottage itself had no electricity, and it was heated by a log fire. Already hating it. Yes. (laughs) He lived a very primitive lifestyle where he and his siblings were expected to work the fields and hunt to help support the family. We would die. I would not be. Not about that life. No, 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 no. From childhood, Fred developed a habit of petty thefts. He was, by all accounts, an extremely hard worker. But if he could get it over on somebody, he was going to do it. If he could get it for free, a.k.a. steal it, he was going to do it. I mean, I'm a hard worker, too. But if I get it for a lot easier, I am. But not thief. I don't want to steal it from anybody. Like I love a damn good sale, but I'm not going to just outright throw it in my pockets. You know what I'm saying? He was always really shabby and dirty. His family lived on the farm and all that, so that was kind of a normal thing. And this was prevalent throughout his whole life. Uh, even Rosemary would complain about it because her childhood is a little bit different on that respect. He left school at age 15 and was barely able to read or write, which continued throughout his life. He, really he made was- it all the way to 15 and couldn't read and write? Yep. Right. Okay. However, he was very charismatic, had a gift of gab. He could win people over very quickly with his silver tongue. He also had an IQ of 80. Oh. So I think that it's IQ to me, like you think about somebody with a low IQ being 
almost Cro Magnum man, you know, like caveman, like me, like Tarzan, me, Tarzan, you, Jane, you know, like <laughs> you can't, they can't compute, but like even low IQ people can be, have their own set of skills like that. Yes, and I for feel sure. like that's, that was one of his top skills was talking people. He also said that incest and rape was normal in their family with Fred and his brother, John, as well as his father repeatedly raping his sisters. That's nice. He lost his virginity to his mother at oh. age 12. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Fred was her favorite and had a reputation for being a mama's boy. And she also encouraged bestiality. Oh, my. So okay. This is like a well, we firefly family. Like, we're all fucking each other and we and only depend on each other and we fucking the animals. Like there was even, a, and I'm not going to say what his father said. It was it was a way to take a sheep, like how he meant, like how you're supposed to move okay, your feet yep. and everything. And it was just too much. And I was like, I can't, like you taught your kid that. Mm. <laughs> this is mm, how you mm, take mm. a sheep. I don't even want to know. Mm. Mm. Gross. Glad I didn't eat before this. Yeah, <laughs> right. He lit fully the phrase, do whatever you want, just don't get caught, which was his father's philosophy. His father was also his idol and his best friend. There were some recordings from when he was in custody. And he was talking about his dad. He's just a big, strong, big man, you know. And Fred himself was a very petite kind of man. He suffered a head injury in 1958 at age 17, which could have lended to his personality and mental issues. He had frontal cortex injuries that affect conscience. And personality. Mm -hmm. He was on a motorcycle and hit an oncoming vehicle headfirst, causing severe head injuries, breaking his leg. He was unconscious for seven days, and he had severe facial wounds. He had been known up to that point for to be very good looking. After that accident, it really marred his face up. He also had a metal plate, and one leg was shorter than the other, so he had a, a limp for the rest of his life. He also would go into fits of rage, which is something he had not done until that accident. And if one head injury isn't bad enough, he tried to get fresh with a girl on a fire escape of a building, and she pushed him in reta retaliation to, like, get off me, and he fell two stories. Yeesh. Head first. Yeesh. Survived. I'm sure that didn't help. You know why he survived? Because the devil don't even want That's him. right, Jen. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> so his younger brother, John, was also a monster. And the girl, May, which is his daughter, she would later on to recount that she was raped for many, many years by John. And he eventually went to prison himself. At 19, he was forced out of his home village for impregnating a 13-year-old girl. Mm. That was too much. Right. Not the bestiality. Not raping the sheeps. No. He also even raped his sisters. Yeah. And his sister was pregnant by him at one oh. point, reportedly. He's being interviewed by cops and he's talking about his love for young girls. He loved preteen, early teenage girls. And he's like, yeah, I do it all the time. I rape girls. I mean, doesn't everybody do it? Oh, man. No, 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 we don't. No. Mm -mm. <laughs> so after his being disowned, he was 21 years old. He moved to much Markle to live with his aunt Violet. And that's where he met Catherine Costello, which went by Rena. Rena was already five months pregnant with the child of a Pakistani bus driver who left. She was described as a tough and manipulative woman. And they get married 
and November of 1962, which is pretty quickly. And that following March, a baby is born named Charmaine. Obviously, if the father was Pakistani, Charmaine's going to be mixed race. Well, he had told his family that, you know, she's pregnant with my child. That's why we're getting married. And then after the baby's born, he realizes this child obviously doesn't look like him. He states that Rena actually suffered a miscarriage. The child was born stillbirth. And so they adopted Charmaine out of out of grief. Oh, OK. Yeah. And but the thing is, is he did take on Charmaine as his own child. Like he that's my daughter. You know, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't. It's not good. It's not good. But like, if his May and his, her siblings talk about their mixed feelings on their parents, because we look at them as just monsters. She said at some points we did have happiness in our lives. It wasn't very often, but there was, and he's still our father. And the weird thing about it is, we during our lives before knowing about all this that had happened. We actually enjoy being with him because he's the one that would make our life better. Our mother was the hard one to live with. Hmm. And so it's like, wow. Yeah, right? If he's the greater of two, exactly. Jesus Christ, she's got to be something else. She truly is. In July 1964, Rena gives birth to her second daughter. And, and that daughter is Anne Marie. And that one is his daughter, biologically. It is actually alleged at this time in Gloucester he had committed eight incidents of sex assaults but he was not immediately linked to these due to lack of evidence which is always the thing there's mm-hmm. always too circumstantial to this to that Fred had actually had quite a few affairs at the beginning of their marriage including fathering a child with a woman from Gorbels which Gorbels is a area that has like a lot of transient immigrant workers and stuff like that. So I don't know why they specified it, but I like the name Gorbels. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Rena, after learning of his infidelity, she responds by having her own affair. Of course. They were very on and off. And the weird thing about it to me is when they would split up, Rena would leave and leave the kids with Fred. And Fred would have girls be his nanny and, you know, have relationships with these girls and they'd watch the kids. And whenever he, you know, couldn't take care of the kids and didn't have a girlfriend to take care of them, he would just put them in social services. Oh. Which I, apparently at that time, you could just put them in and out at will because he had did it a couple times. Okay. And just sort of dropped kids off for the week. Got shit to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a girlfriend this time. <laughs> At this time, Anne McFall, who is 16, starts spending a lot of time with the West family. He begins working as a ice cream truck driver in Coatbridge, and he accidentally kills a four-year-old boy with his truck. Technically his first kill, but it tr- according to him, it was an accident, and he was cleared of all wrongdoing. But knowing that this had happened, he knew that nobody's going to want to buy ice cream from an ice cream truck man who ran over one of his clients. <laughs> it's not good for marketing. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's not good visuals, okay? And so they were like, okay, we're, we're going to have to leave town. And so he and Rena leave town for Bishop's Cleave in Gloucester, along with Ann McFall, which was Rena's friend, and their nanny, Issa McNeil. Now, they were not rich people. 
even last podcast on the left, we're talking about these. He's like, how did he have a nanny? <laughs> Apparently, you could just get him pretty easy back in those days. I don't know, but they were not rich. A lot he, of times, it was just like room and board. Pretty I much. I think that yeah, you just like, supplied them with. You watch my kids. I feed you and give you a place to sleep. <laughs> right? Brad got a job at a slaughterhouse as a lorry driver, which was funny because I had Jimmy always have him raid behind me recently anyways to make sure I'm being co- coherent. <laughs> and he's like, we should do fun facts on uh, what some of these British words mean. Like, I don't know what a lorry driver is. I'm like, it's a truck. It's a truck driver. <laughs> he's like, you knew that? I'm like, how did I know that? And not the guy who works at NASA. <laughs> Just goes to show that IQ level doesn't mean shit like you said earlier. (laughs) (laughs) He actually began his morbid obsession for blood and guts and dissection as well as necrophilia. Let's round out this sexual perverted wheel of fun. Yeah. Rape, bestiality, and now necrophilia. Right. From the circle of life. (laughs) Apparently he will fuck anything. (laughs) Anything. He actually had a no surprise here, crazy sexual appetite, and he loved to exert his dominance over women. He was a short man, so I'm, I'm wondering if that's part of it. You know, like that Napoleon complex. Short man syndrome. Mm-hmm. No offense, short guys. Some of y'all get a little testy about that height. I do. <laughs> that's why I'm a firecracker, shit. That's why. People try to <laughs> test me all the time because I'm little. Oh, okay. Not Let's today. Do this then. <laughs> Uh, he also reportedly was sexually abusing Charmaine and encouraged Rena to become a prostitute to supplement their income. How does that conversation go over? JJ asked me all the time. Wait, that's not normal? That's not normal? <laughs> Rena. Rena. JK, JK guys. I'm going to need you to go out to the corner. <laughs> the nanny and Rena, you know, not liking all this stuff going down, decides they're going to run away with the kids. But something falls through and only Rena and the nanny get away. And the kids are left um, with... How? Uh-uh. No. No, 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 ma'am. Let me back up. <laughs> Nothing fell through that only the two adults got away. And, ah, shit. You know, we we're going to take the kids, but all we get was this two-car, uh, two-passenger car. Sorry. My B, guys. It's a VW Beetle. We don't have room. No, if you can't take them with you, then the whole plan falls through and nobody goes. Ding, 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 ding. Like, you don't leave them. We were going to, but see what had happened was. I got to put me first. I got to yeah. put me first. Yeah. No, no, no. What happened was they were selfish ass bitches and they ran off together. That's mm-hmm. what that part of that story should say. Apparently, like he loved like women who were bisexual so I'm sure that they I'm sure might have had a relationship with each other and they were like of course. a romantic interlude where they ran away together. I think it's That's more exactly along those lines. That's exactly what it was, yeah. I, I just couldn't imagine like, oh, he's domineering and horrible to women. It might be molesting my child. I better get out of here. <laughs> I'll be back for you kids. I'm going to set up. I'm wait, going wait, to get things set up wait, for wait, us. Wait, 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 Yeah. Uh, so Anne McFall, which was, you know, the 16-year-old that was also hanging out with them, she becomes a children's nanny. And she was infatuated with Fred. Rena did come back every once in a while to check on the kids. And even talk to Constable Hazel Savage, which becomes a bigger player later on in the story. Saying he's a sex pervert. He's unfit to raise children. But for some reason, she's still not taking custody of those bitches. Right. She's still getting things set up. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I just need to get 
Me just time. trying to get us a place to live and a job and everything. I'll be back for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. It's sure. like next week. Don't worry. Yeah. It's not a good time for me. <laughs> uh, Anne would fall pregnant in the fall of 1966. And I'd like the, being infatuated with Fred, though, like you have this guy with like a Cockney accent. He's got one <laughs> short leg, gimping around, facial deformities. That's not the peak sexual form i don't know what is i don't know what is either <laughs> he would actually later state in prison that Anne was the love of his life quote i loved an angel okay Blech. she pressured fred to divorce Raina and marry her which caused fred to eventually kind of fly off the handle like okay this is enough i'm not leaving her and he kills 18 year old mcfall while she's eight months pregnant Oh, Warning. wow. It's going to get darker in a second. He cuts the fetus out of her body, decapitated her, cut off all her fingers and toes, as well as the kneecaps, oddly enough, before burying her in the trailer park that they had lived in. The fingers, toes, and the kneecaps becomes the signature of a lot of his murders. I don't mean to laugh because it's not funny. It's disturbing. I just don't know. what Was it just like, all right, so I'm going to try to make it where she can't be identified. So let's take the head. Let's take the fingers. Let's take the toes. Oh, fuck. You know what? I Do you kneecaps? think he took the little phalange fingers that was like head, shoulders, and then touch the kneecaps, <laughs> knees, and then the toes? Stop. Knees and toes. <laughs> knees. Too far, Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, sorry. He couldn't touch the knees. <laughs> <laughs> he took them. Jimmy's Fun Facts. According to a 2011 article in the Journal of Forensic Research, there is potential viability in using knee prints for personal identification, especially in the case of dismemberment or when other prints are not available or non-identifiable. In a pilot experiment, the percentage of identified prints of the positive control group was 70%. This percentage can probably improve over time by adopting forensic friction ridge examination measures and better collection methods. In other words, if you're going to commit a crime, you should probably start wearing pants. Uh, that's very odd. I don't think I've ever heard of a killer that took the kneecaps. And they have never found any of the fingers or the kneecaps or Stop. anything. <laughs> Nowhere. Like, he took them from a lot of victims, but they have never found any of these pieces. Now I get these are law, little tiny bones. <laughs> and the kneecaps, not so much, but your your fingers are kneecaps all separate are bones. Small. So I can imagine people being like, oh, that might be a fox bone or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> but, you know, most likely keepsakes. You Honestly, know? if I'd seen a kneecap bone, I would probably just think it was a rock or something because it's True. very odd shape. Doesn't look like a bone out of a human that someone would typically. People would think it's probably like a piece of white slate or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was his first actual murder and the last body to be found. 27 years later. Damn. So we're going to talk about that 27 years. And the skeleton of the baby was also uh, with him, with the with her. But with the placement of the skeleton, he, you know, acted like he didn't do anything to her. But he, of course, wasn't going to admit it. But the placement of the body of the baby bones and her were separate, not normally on top of the pelvis and over the spine like it would be. So real fucked up. Rena and him reunited, though, 
And then she left him again. <laughs> final time. At around this time, he meets Rosemary. So let's talk about Rosemary Pauline Letts. She was born November 29th, 1953. The fifth child out of seven in a poor family in uh, rural England. I, I wrote rural and then I didn't put the place. Very smart, Jen. <laughs> Her life is tragically similar to Fred's. Her mother had suffered for prenatal depression and was given prenatal, meaning she's pregnant, right? She was given electroconvulsive therapy while pregnant. That seems good for her and the baby. And some, and this cracks me up as a quote from one of the articles, some have argued that this treatment may have caused prenatal injuries to her daughter. Some have argued. Is that really an argument? Is it? You want to roast a baby inside a mama's womb? I'm pretty sure it's not going to be good for it. Sounds like they're just doing therapy on two people, if you ask me. What that baby ever do to you? <laughs> <laughs> the last treatment of ECT before Rosemary is born was one day. One day before she was born, she was being electrocuted in womb. Jesus, Mother Mary. So that's a pretty fully formed baby with brains and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't even induce labor. No. As a baby, Rose would rock her head involuntarily. Like they would say like she'd rock a bunch and everything. And they also talked about that's another behavior that's seen in children who are abused as they find comfort in that rhythmic movement sure she was also called rosy dozy due to her lower mental capabilities shocking yeah. oh wow that was like <laughs> you didn't even mean for it that was so good to use at the time. <laughs> that was not even on purpose shocking <laughs> i should have wrote that down that was good right <laughs> her father was a war veteran who suffered from paranoid schizophrenia which was he never admitted to his family that he was but diagnosed. So he just like, you know, did him live life raw without medication. <laughs> uh, he was prone to extreme violence and repeatedly sexually abused Rose and her older sister, Patricia. He was super obsessed with cleanliness and would also would often beat the children for making messes. He would even make them clean the carpet, the carpet, mind you, with toothbrushes. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. And so, like, she, in her adulthood, actually kept a very tidy house. You would think House of Horrors, like, um, House of a Thousand Corpses. It's, like, all junky and gross and dusty. No. She kept a very clean house. She made sure the kids were fed, their clothes were clean, that they wore nice things. Part of that is to, uh, to cover up the abuse, mm -hmm. make her less of a sore thumb. But the other part comes from her childhood with her father. They were not allowed to play with other children for fear that they would make a mess. Rose would often exchange sex in order to avoid beatings as her father was very easy to anger and was highly abusive. She told her daughter that she lost her virginity at 14 and then later said 12 to a stranger. May believes that that stranger was her father. Mm -hmm. So uh, Bill, which was Rosemary's father, they had... A weird fucking relationship, right? He rapes her consensually, weirdly, like, you know, statutory um, and incestuous. And that actually remains, like, they remain keeping this sexual relationship all the way up until he dies. Jesus. Even during her and Fred's marriage, 
and he was perfectly fine with it. Now, remember, he lost his virginity to his mother at 12. They probably thought it was a bonding experience. Yeah. You fucked your parents? Me too. What age? 12. Twins! <laughs> <laughs> that is so sad. It is. Mm. You already been shocked as shit before yeah. you was born, and then you came out being diddled like a motherfucker by your dad. <laughs> oh, he would be technically would be a motherfucker, but... Oh. <laughs> Puns today are out of control. I mean, we don't even mean to. It just happens. It just happens. And so uh, Rose was also enamored with the physical form. And as she entered puberty, she would walk around naked in front of her brothers. She would also would sneak into her younger brother's rooms at night to molest them while she was naked. Hmm. Charming. She, she would be left to watch them while her parents worked. And she called the boys her playthings. Hmm. Rose was barred from dating boys her age, so she went after older men. Daddy issues. Hashtag. (laughs) And she became known as a nymphomaniac around town. Which, I mean, nymphomania is often a sign of somebody who was sexually abused. Mm -hmm. You know, that confusion of um, physical touch and everything is confused for the feelings of love and Mm -hmm. wanting and probably save them. That's I just, like, I, at this point, I feel bad for her. She already had no options but to be a fucking serial killer eventually. Yeah. But life's about choices. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, well, not, I hope not a lot of people that have been raped by their father. But I'm sure there's a lot of them that have, that have not went on to do the things that she does. That's true, but you gotta throw in the mental abuse, too. Where cleaning carpets with the toothbrush, I imagine yelled at about being dirty and making messes and shocked as a baby. I mean, ser- serial killer soup right there. I don't know that she did have a snowball's chance in hell at ever being normal. No, no. So let's talk about the disgusting romantic beginnings. Oh, she met Fred when she was 15 years old at Bishop's Cleave and he was 27. Sweet. She could have been another victim, but given her proclivities, she became a perfect mate for his perversions. The pair first met at a Cheltenham, Cheltenham, I don't know, bus station. I feel like it's not, you know, insulting because nobody knows how to pronounce these unless you're actually from there. Okay, come on now. Yeah. Leave me alone. Initially, Rose was actually repulsed by his unkept, unkempt appearance and deduced that he was just a tramp. And that was like such a British thing to say. What a tramp, you know? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Are they Lady and the Tramp? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> really fucked up version. <laughs> he is, his persistent attention flattered her. And after some romantic gestures, they began dating, AKA fucking. <laughs> she was willingly the nanny taking care of the two girls, Annie and Charmaine. Uh, she stated that when she first met them they were neglected and underfed dirty so she started taking good care of them and she would brag that she would that her and fred and the girls would go and pick wildflowers now to me like it's just like perpetuating abuse right she's with this guy at 15 years old and this man is 12 years older than her with children and she's playing house like we went out and picked flowers yeah like weird flex yeah but okay (laughs) (laughs) so she actually had a job and she hid quitting her job to spend time 
with Fred, right? I'm like, fuck it. I'm saying I'm working, but I'm really with Fred. And Fred would actually give her the same wages that she would have made. So when she came home and had to fork over some of her fucking paycheck to her parents, she'd be like, I'm still working, you know. Within a few months, she decides she's going to introduce Fred to her parents. Her mother felt that he was a braggart and slimy, which was true. And her father was furious and disapproved. Probably felt like, that's my girl. Yeah. Arf. I mean, I'm, is there anybody that's going to fit? No. Hmm. Weird ass situation. He would always like make up these stories of like, I did this and I did that and I'm this and that. You know, like he wasn't any of those things. But that's what we mean by braggart. He threatened, her father threatened to call social ser- services if she didn't stop seeing Fred. She didn't let home. She didn't listen, and she was sent to a home for troubled teenagers, due to dating dating older men and reportedly getting into sex work. She did get involved in sex work actually at a very young age and was very thrilled about it. <laughs> I mean, once again, weird flex, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, and when I say it, like it's fucked up to say that she was proud of it or like happy with it, but in her abused mind and all the things that she went to through she probably thought this was like pinnacle for her you know like i'm so good at sex <laughs> what was that the one i could suck a golf a golf, golf ball through, through a hose? <laughs> <laughs> okay good for you buddy <laughs> at 16 she leaves the troubled teenagers home and by 1970 she's pregnant with her child with first child Heather. It is actually believed, though, that Heather is really Bill's child and not Fred's. Bill being her father. So, like, more incest. Great. Um, But that's never been, you know, DNA or confirmed. It's just suspected, just giving the timeline, I guess. She was supposed to abort the pregnancy. Like, the father was, like, super mad that she was pregnant. They took her to a doctor to confirm that she was pregnant. He's like, all right, you get an abortion, you come the fuck home. And she's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I'll do that. He sets up an appointment for her and everything. And then she fucking leaves and goes straight to Fed. And, and so he's like, fuck you. You can never come back to my house again. Even though he continues to fuck her for the rest of his life. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> she has her first child in October 1970. And, of course, you would, as you would realize, motherhood wasn't exactly natural for her. Small, shocking. Yeah. Small children were playthings. Shocking. Again. <laughs> uh, small children were her playthings, like dolls in her eyes, until they became independent and could do, like, think for themselves. So, like, when they get to be, like, 10, 11, 12, like this preteen, and they're starting to kind of resist, that's when she's like, all right, I'm done. Okay. No. She also... um did not breastfeed her children, which is no knock, but she t- once told someone, and this is a quote, tits are for fucking, not feeding babies. Um, okay. Listen, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure mammary ga- glands are called that because they're made to feed babies. I'm going to have to agree with you on that, Jennifer. And if a nurse agrees with me, it's definitely not a lie. It's definitely not. You heard it here, kids. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) Tits are for feeding babies, not fucking. Not fucking. (laughs) (laughs) She was very strict like her father and regimented. 
ruling with an iron rod. And then, like, when the kids started getting older and trying to be more independent, she would lock down even more and be, like, scheduling out whatever they were going to be doing. You could not leave the house and have friends and what have you. That's always good. Mm-hmm. Very healthy. They were seldom allowed to socialize outside the household perimeters unless either Fred or Rose was present, and they had to follow strict guidelines imposed by their parents with severe punishment, almost always physical, being the penalty for not conforming to the household rules. Between 1972 and 1992, that's 20 years, the West children were admitted to the casualty units of local hospitals 31 times. The injuries were explained as accidents and never reported to social services. I feel like I get that part of that is probably like nowadays you put it a name in the computer and like all the records will pop up, right? And then all that shit was paper. So I don't know. I feel like that was a major oversight. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Right? Like that's a lot of times, Tony. <laughs> How many kids did they have? Uh, They had six or something like that okay. i don't know so there's a whole bunch of them there's a whole slew of them and uh we'll go over their parentage in a little bit here on one occasion her son steven was mopping the kitchen floor with a cloth rose accidentally stepped into the bowl of water he had been using and in response rose hit the boy over the head with the bowl then repeatedly kicked him in the head and chest as she shout- she shouted you did that on purpose you little swine on another occasion, Rose became furious about a missing kitchen utensil. She used she grabbed a knife that she had been using to cut a slab of meat, and then she inflicted light scour marks on May's chest until and her rib cage, just completely covered with these little tiny knife marks. All the while, May's screaming, "No, mum, no, mum!" Stephen and Heather are like in the corner, fucking bawling their eyes out. Jesus. There was one instance where, like, she was mad at Fred for something. I I don't remember what it was. And she grabbed a knife, and she was chasing him around the house. Well, he made it into a room, shut the door, and she took the knife and stabbed it into the door while her hand slipped down the knife and cut it. And it was like, they said, you're thinking, like, it's just going to get worse. So she goes, "Ah, you dirty dog, you're going to have to take me to the hospital now. Like, this crazy... 360, like, the she fuck? cuckoo for Cocoa Pops. Exactly. In December 1970, uh, just two months after Heather's birth, Fred was arrested for petty theft of car tires and a vehicle tax, tax disc and sentenced to six and a half months in prison. Rosemary, who was 17 years old at the time, was committed, though. You know, she had left her home to tend to um, the three girls, and she made her stepchildren call her mother. Mm. Charmaine and Annie, which were not her biological children, would often bear the brunt of Rosemary's rage. While Annie would cry in response to the abuse, you know, like, please, mama, don't do this, whatever, Charmaine wouldn't shed a tear. She would just take it. She was just like this kid that she was so, like, I'm not going to give you this. That sounds like one of my aunts when my biological grandmother used to beat the shit out of them. My one aunt wouldn't cry, and Mm -hmm. she My mom said they would beg her, just cry, just cry, so she'll stop. And she was like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not giving her that. And so it just keeps going and Mm -hmm. gets worse. Mm -hmm. Um, In the summer of 1971, Rosemary went overboard and beat Charmaine to death. And this was like two months before Fred was due to get out of prison. Rosemary stuffed her tiny eight-year-old body in the coal sweller where where it would stay until Fred's release. So he comes out of prison, you think, 
that's his child or one that he's been taking care of his whole life. And he goes, why'd you do it? Well, I guess I don't have to take care of this and buries her a few feet from the back door. Mm. He swore that he never cut up her body, but forensics showed that she was dissected at the hip and the toes, fingers, and other small bones were missing. A signature, just like his other victim. She was only eight years old. That was so sad. Mm-hmm. Tiny. Rosemary told everyone that Charmaine had gone to gone to Levin, London. <laughs> had gone to London to live with her mother, adding, "And bloody good riddance." Like, bitch. When Annie would ask Fred why her mother would take Charmaine and not her, Fred would say, "She wouldn't want you, love. You're the wrong color." Oh. So he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to go with her anyways. She didn't like you. Jesus. Rena was anxiously at this time inquiring about her children's whereabouts because it had been a good long time since she had heard from them. And she even went to visit Fred's family about it because they they knew her and everything. And she's like, I haven't seen them in a while. And they're like, oh, well, here's his new address. And so she goes over to Fred Rosemary's home. And she's never seen again. Oh. She was last seen alive in the fall of 1971, and her remains were found not far from Ann McCall's body. This had removed the nuisance, what could have been the discovery of Charmaine dying. Mm-hmm. And then he married Rose in 1972. Oh, happy ending after all. Right? <laughs> so sweet. So I'm going to stop here for part one. Because part two is going to get even darker. We're going to talk about all of the crimes. Now that we've set you up, you know, and got him into murder and all this delightful information about Fred and Rosemary West, we're going to talk about the things that truly made them famous. I really feel like I know them. Yeah, right? <laughs> On a cellular level. Yeah. <laughs> it's really just a heartwarming story. <laughs> Love. Family. <laughs> Incest. Brings it all together. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just my... um. This is my daughter slash sister. <laughs> <laughs> this is my mom slash aunt. <laughs> okay. So much love for this family. Really is. Really is. Uh, I can't wait for the conclusion of this story. But Yeah, I'm really into it. Uh, I had heard about Red Rosemary West before, but like May's story actually kind of opens up a whole door of shit that you didn't know was there yeah. too. So it's like, oh. There's shit inside the shit. Ah, <laughs> fun. So, you guys, uh, if you could do us a solid, definitely subscribe and rate us on any platform that you listen to. For show. Sure. Follow us on Facebook. Give if us you a thumbs feel up. so inclined a to, like. to rep, buy some merch. We have some cute t shirts that Jimmy has designed. Yes. So, get Adorbs. you Adorbs. And that's it. In the meantime, stay safe. Keep your head on a swivel. And don't. Bring it too close to home. I mean, they did. They brought it real close they right there. Front that door. family tree went straight the fuck up. Straight up. <laughs> no branches at all. No. Bye. <laughs> bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Too Close to Home, don't forget to rate and subscribe to us on most platforms. Follow us on our social media at Too Close Home Pod on Facebook, at Too Close Podcast on Instagram, or if you have your own Too Close to Home experience, shoot us your story at Too Close to Home at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>